Welcome to the My Key Needs Podcast, a podcast dedicated to MSPs. I'm Priscilla Alora Sharoop, co-founder and COO here at My Key. On this podcast, you'll have the opportunity to hear from experts in the field and thought leaders in the channel. So make sure to hit that subscribe button. Let's fly in. Hello and welcome to the final episode of season one of Mikey Meets, where today I had a chat with an old friend of mine, David Weeks, Senior Director Partner Experience at Enable. Hope you enjoy. So today I'm really pleased to be joined by David Weeks, who is someone I've known for a long time, actually, in the MSP community and ties back into lots of the other content of this podcast series, which is people that have influenced my journey, people that have kind of been there along the way, all the way through my MSP journey through uh, the different stages. So I'd like to just say, hello, David, thanks for joining us. Hey, no worries. Thanks, Chris. It's awesome to be here. And uh, as you, you know, it's been too long since you and I have spoken, but I guess that's the new world today right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, and I'm looking forward to finding out a few things today that I don't know. I mean, I've met you countless times and we've chatted countless times about various MSP things and various non-MSP things. But um, I guess I don't really know is um, stuff about your sort of early career. I mean, how did you end up in the IT industry? Is it something, was it always your dream to work for an MSP vendor or did you start with uh, some other ambition in life and just drifted into it? Yeah. So you know what? That's a funny story. I, I actually took marketing uh, in school and I graduated and I actually worked for Canada's largest media company. Uh, and I was on contract with them actually for about uh, eight or nine years. Um, and, and that contract was going to come due. And I decided to see what was out there. So I applied to this company called Enable. Um, and it was to be a, a business consultant. Um, we used to run a process called the Blueprint for Success as MSPs were moving into the space. And I applied. Um, I was actually not the first choice. I was second. Um, but the person who did get offered the job broke her leg and backed out. Um, so I ended up with the job and it took me about six months to learn about the IT space coming from somewhat, I guess, archaic media in uh, TV, radio and newspaper. But yeah, that was kind of how I got here. It was never actually a dream, but it was as I watched the tech industry in Ottawa grow and and you know, really got to see, you know, the excitement around it, I decided I wanted to be there. And it was just how did I break in? And I guess I got lucky on my first try. Yeah, well, that's, that's really interesting. Because I guess, uh, I don't know what happened to that uh, unfortunate lady that broke her leg. But I guess that's Canadians, right? You're probably, you're always doing uh, skiing or ice skating, <laughs> yeah. or all these kind of potential leg breaking things. So I guess it happens <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's a fair point, actually. I don't know how she broke her leg, actually. It, it, it would be interesting to know. But yeah, I, I guess, you know, it worked out for me. And yeah, 15 years later, I'm here. Yeah. And it's I, I never knew you were from a marketing background, but I think I'm just going to kind of let's talk about that for a second, because I assume that obviously with your role now, which we'll talk about later, but the various roles that you've had within Enable that I've known you, I know that it's it's obviously this kind of a, it's a sales role, sales department, but it's effectively, it's marketing, right? I always think that what we do when we're speaking to MSPs, a lot of it is marketing driven. So I'm guessing that your marketing background really helped you out. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, so many people, you know, they, they graduate from marketing and end up in sales roles and that's where I ended up. And, and, you know, I've been in sales my whole life until my current role now, which I'm still involved with sales, obviously on, on a regular basis and a lot of biz dev, but 
Yeah, it's you know what marketing does play into everything, and it, it's you know it's I've always been big on relationship sales, um, not product pitches, not how much software do you want. Um, really understanding where it fits in their organization, and you're right, the marketing part played into that. You know, with the value proposition and understanding, you know, what it could do for them in the market and how they could promote those services. So I think that was a benefit to me overall. Yeah, well, you certainly marketed to us because this is what the next point I was going to mention is um, I think the first time that we ever met face to face was in Manchester. And I think it was probably at the Midland Hotel where you came over with uh, Mike Cullen, I believe, and were running a, a roadshow. I think it was a roadshow, as you would have called it at that point. And we were at this point, my uh, MSP, we were using uh, Hound Dog. And that's um, I've done a podcast with the, the founder of Hound Dog previously. So it was a, it was a very pivotal part as well. But uh, a sales guy um, of yours that worked in the UK, another Canadian, Pat Mackay, he kind of, I don't know how he got my details or how he got in touch with us, but he basically did and started to say, you need to look at enable this um, this new RMM or this RMM that's there. And I came with a couple of colleagues to Manchester to the Midland Hotel. And it was a bit of a nightmare journey. We got there and it was, uh, traffic was terrible and it was it was a real pain to get to, get to the event. When we got there, um, we were sort of on the fence about whether to commit to Enable. And you delivered a presentation, I think, talking about that blueprint for success, um, about how sort of automation within um, our MSPs can sort of move the sort of uh, increase monthly recurring revenue and all of this kind of thing. The sort of stuff that I've heard before from several different vendors, but my two colleagues who were there with me on the day, and they were the ones sort of that had their ultimate sign off on this. They came effectively, were so impressed with what you were saying about this blueprint for success and the marketing job that you did, that literally, as they were sat in Manchester and you were speaking, they were like, we've got to order this, you know, we need to get this. So um, I'm guessing that, you know, that blueprint for success and that transition break fix to MSP is sort of, um, was really successful for you. And you did a great job positioning it to us. Well, I appreciate that. It, uh, you know what, that is what I used to do. That was my role. And actually, I believe, Chris, that was actually my first time ever in the UK. Oh, wow. uh, and, and yeah, Mike, Mike brought me over and kind of gave me the shot. And, and we started in London uh, and worked our way throughout the UK and then into Europe doing roadshows. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way we used to do it. I mean, you know, we bootstrapped it, small events. We got out there. I mean, at that time, Enable was not a huge company. Um, you know, we, we were probably, I think maybe even under 200 people at that point. And, and, you know, we were in our growth phase, but you're right. It was a transition point in the market. And listen, I mean, being under Mike is, is a huge benefit. I mean, it's probably, you know, when, when you work for Mike, you realize he's probably the foremost authority on the MSP space and, and probably one of the pioneers of the MSP space. We actually call him the godfather internally here, Chris, now. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's every day I learn from Mike and, and I remember going on the road with him at that point. I do remember that event uh, and working with you guys after on the blueprint for success. And you know what? It's, it's Mike developed a lot of that. And over the years I've learned from Mike and him and I work very closely together and we've just evolved that. Um, you know, we still do a lot of it. We still see MSPs coming into the space who are break fix, who are trying to make the change. Um, but there's a big change in the industry as well, too, where you've got very mature MSPs that are massive organizations, large businesses that 
run very um, detail-oriented service offerings to meet niche areas of the market. And so it's exciting because you get both sides of it where back in those days, you remember, Chris, nobody was at that point yet. Everybody was just trying to figure out what is this MSP thing. Yeah, absolutely. I remember it well. And I know that all, you know, a lot of the vendors were kind of banging the same drum and um, you clearly did a very good job at it, a job of it in the UK and around the world. But uh, yeah, it was, and it's, I'm not surprised you say that there are still break fix MSPs out there. I still think that there's probably a lot of, a lot of the so-called MSPs now still do a proportion of their work as break fix and um, are still gradually transitioning. But uh, yeah, it's a different, certainly a different world to it was back then, but it's fascinating about the sort of roadshows because that is, it seems to be, or seemed, I guess, pre-pandemic to be the way that I learned about a lot of products and services in the MSP space. It's kind of going to these roadshows, hearing what these vendors have to say. So they were sort of sort of super useful and super um, sort of relevant to us. So, yeah, and I think hopefully once we get the pandemic out of the way, we can start to sort of pick those roadshows up again. We're, we're going back to it, Chris, in 2022. I've got them slated around the world. Um, from Australia to Europe, across North America and Canada. And, and you know what? It worked. And, and it's a great way to get out in the market. And, and when we do it, it's a little bit different. At that time, we were doing it primarily to prospects because we were trying to grow the customer base. Um, today, we'll still do it with prospects, but we'll bring in a lot of partners. And it's really just an update. What are we doing? Where are we at? And it's, it's been two years, in some cases, over two years since we've seen a lot of our customers around the world we got to get back out and the roadshows are the best way to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think you made a great point there about the existing customers. I think there's a temptation that people think it's all about prospecting for new, but it's a great way to update existing customers or partners on, on where you're doing, what you're up to, because you could send as many emails as you like, but often they don't kind of get read or understood. So standing in front of them and talking about new features is like super, super powerful. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's a mixture of prospecting and customer events. So hopefully I'll get to see you in 2022 if you come over to the UK again. You will. We'll make sure that it happens. Okay, excellent. I look forward to that. So, I mean, as my relationship with Enable, um, I guess we kind of grew and I was lucky enough to come over to the offices in Ottawa once I seem to remember. And um yeah, you picked me up from the airport in your enormous truck because that's one thing that sort of sticks in my mind. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we got to hang out in Ottawa, which was super cool. And and I think I've been over to a couple of times since then. But obviously, Enable has been through lots of changes since those early days. You mentioned that it was a fairly small company. I guess the office, the office that I went to was the Enable sort of HQ. I kind of knew a lot of the people in the organization. But then it went through a significant change with the sort of SolarWinds acquisition and and everything. And now you're kind of back at uh, sort of the independent Enable again, as you mentioned at the start. So, I mean, what what's what's sort of changed throughout that journey? Did you did you do you enjoy being kind of the smaller independent, or did you enjoy being part of SolarWinds, or is it kind of a combination of of everything? You know what? It, it was, you know, as when we were in Able and, and we got acquired by SolarWinds, it was a pivotal point for the business. I mean, we, we were growing. Um, at that point, I think we were pushing close to 300 employees. Um, SolarWinds was the right move. It gave us the investment that we needed to accelerate faster and further into the market. Uh, and, and that relationship, you know, that relationship worked extremely well. It also gave us the ability to go out those acquisitions like we did with Logic Now, um, buying one of our largest competitors. And, and, you know, that grew us massively in size, I believe at that point to just over 700 employees. Um, today we're 1400 um, plus employees. 
Um, then, you know, the decision was made, hey, do we, when we look at the two businesses with SolarWinds and then Central and, and in the Enable side and the RMM side, how do these all fit and intermingle? And really, it was that we started to grow apart. The growth worked. It got us where we needed to be. And, we, you know, when we looked at the SolarWinds model, it was, it was a velocity motion. Um, it was a lot of digital marketing with try and buy, which works for their products. And it makes sense because they're selling to the mid-enterprise and enterprise. Um, but the MSP side, you can't sell that way. And so as we continued our growth, it was a realization that, hey, you know what? We can probably spin out and, and we're, we're the right size now. And, and we've, we've grown up and we're ready to move forward. And so the decision was made with John, our president and the board and, and our leadership team that the right move was to become our own independent company. Uh, and we decided to go back to Enable. Uh, and, and, you know, that name resonated. We worked with firms. We looked at a bunch of different names out there. Enable was still extremely well known. Um, and so as a result of that, we decided to stick with the name. And what you'll probably see us do in a lot of cases is actually reduce um, maybe a little bit of our profitability in, in the sake of growth. But it's really about being able to take a larger investment into our partners. When you're part of a really large company like SolarWinds, there's priorities. And that's the way that it should be. You know, if we wanted to bring on new services or look at an acquisition, it went into a priority list. Um, that wasn't a bad thing, but we were at the point where as we continued our expansion, we needed a little bit more flexibility. And so as a result, we came out as Enable and, and now being our own company, completely independent, publicly traded, it's extremely exciting. And, and you know what? It's, it's been rolling since July. Uh, the partners love it globally around the world and into 2022. I think people will really see how, you know, we continue and expand that investment in the wider market, Chris, not just in our partners. Um, we're going to put a lot out that just the wider market to help them. Um, because listen, if the MSP space is growing, all of us vendors are growing. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of come back on a point that you made there, which I 100% agree with, which is around the digital marketing and I guess the enterprise um, or kind of way of selling the software, which is trial, click, um, you know, deploy and sort of get on with it yourselves, which is, I mm -hmm. guess, the way that SolarWinds would have worked with some of their previous products is not the way MSPs learn and procure new products, right? I mean, it's we mentioned the events, we mentioned the roadshows. It's, um, it's super important that MSP vendors sort of create this content and then speak, actually speak to MSPs in the flesh and have these conversations which is sometimes difficult to explain to sort of larger companies. And then the programs that you created, the sort of blueprint for success and this kind of thing, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of counterintuitive, I guess, to some of these larger software vendors to spend all of this money creating these educational programs that, as you, again, as you also said, that kind of don't only if, uh, in, uh, work with your own partners, they can work with, with the wider industry. It seems massively counterintuitive, but I think in the MSP space, which I always think is kind of unique, it's sort of super important. So, and to go back to the enable thing, I remember when it was happening, when the kind of uh, sort of independence was on the cards, people were kind of asking in forums, what are they going to call it? Is it going to be, you know, what's the name of this thing? And uh, overwhelmingly, everyone was saying, well, the logical name is going to be enable, right? Because uh, you still had the great name, you still had the great reputation, people have got a lot of fondness for enable in the industry. So yeah, it's a little bit of a no brainer, really, I would have thought. So I don't know how much you paid the consultants to come back up with the name Enable, but I, I could have done it for free, put it that way. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, you know what? And and it it has it has resonated well. Um, it's resonated well in the company, and 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 you know what? It is. There's there's a little bit of a back to our roots, and and you know the again, you know, being a part of SolarWinds was amazing for us and getting us to where we are. But it, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of what we were already doing. And, and we're going to have the ability to splash that a little bit louder out in the market into 2022. And, you know, people can come and, you know, and most people don't even know, you know, we have a head nerds team and what they do is they're industry experts around automation, security, sales, and marketing. All of that training with all of them is wide open to the whole market. It does not go to sales. We don't pull the leads. You know, it, it doesn't go to, you know, an inside sales team to call people after. This is just helping people run their business better. Why? Because you know what? That's what we want. We want everybody to be successful. And because you know what? Someday maybe we do win your business. And hey, if we don't, at least you're a successful business moving forward. You're employing people and it's helping the overall market. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I think that that's something that um, is sort of super admirable. So, uh, yeah, keep doing that. That's great. So um, you mentioned, obviously, you travel the world meeting MSPs and going back to those very early days when uh, when you came to meet uh, me in Manchester and then you did London and then you did different cities around the world. But let's just think sort of a little bit about Europe and the US and Can- Canadian market. I mean, what is the difference between the MSPs there? Is Are there any differences between MSPs in Europe and the US or are they kind of pretty much the same now? I, I always kind of get the impression that the, and you could say you've had a completely different experience, but I've always kind of had the impression that European MSPs are a little bit more conservative when it comes to taking on board new products or deploying new products, maybe need a little bit more convincing or... Um, maybe aren't quite as trustworthy. I don't know if that's the, if, uh, taking it on trust. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but I always find that the sales cycles, uh, I guess is probably the easy way of saying it, are probably shorter in the US than in, in Europe. Is that is that the same experience or have you had the opposite way around? How do you find the difference between the markets? In, in the early days, it was. And, and, and I mean, the MSP market, I think really hit in the US first uh, and, and started to spread in North America. Um, the interesting part is, you know, to this point today, we still hear a lot of, you know, European MSPs will say to me, hey, we're, we're so different from the U.S. What are they doing? And, and what they don't realize is that U.S. and North American MSPs are saying to me, hey, what's Europe doing? What's Australia doing? Um, they seem so much more advanced. I think that that inception point of the two is, is come much closer together. Um, when you look at different things out there, general typical MSP, yes, was started in the US. So maybe they're a little bit more advanced at this point. Interestingly, though, when you look at things like co-managed and working with internal IT, Europe led the forefront on that. Um, and they were actually doing that quite a bit before the US was. I look at mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, they, it really ramped up very fast in, in North America in the last few years. Europe is caught up and is passing it. Um, so it, it, as much as it might be a little bit behind at times, I think it's just the natural evolution of the market, but it's becoming more and more at parity. And listen, like I said earlier, there's some big MSPs out there now, very large organizations, they're moving global. So as a result, we're naturally going to see a level playing field because all of those best practices and the way that these businesses are structured are going to start to cross over the oceans and, we're going to see that naturally it just becomes a level playing field. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you just reminded me of something, actually, because you mentioned Australia there. Again, I think going back years and years to your presentations, when I probably wasn't aware of the MSP market space in Australia, you were showing us some of the kind of um, sort of monthly value that they, those guys were getting in and billing. So, yeah, Australia, uh, sometimes forgotten, but I guess they were kind of a forerunner as well in the space. So, um, yeah, I remember, I remember remember you vividly talking about that. Yeah, it, it was, you know what, I mean, Australia was, you know, a, a market that we moved into similar to South Africa when we moved into South Africa. It, it was, I think these were a little bit of emerging untouched markets. I, our competition were there. Um, and I think we got in at the early time of our competition. And, and in all honesty, as much as, you know, you have, you know, the, the dog fight out on the street to win the business, we were all just growing those markets and emerging them as vendors, all of us. And educating the market about the opportunities of recurring revenue. And, and as a result, we all won to a point. Um, again, it was just the market was at that inception point of we had to do something different. And, and I think IT service providers were realizing that. And the reliance on technology grew so fast that people started to realize how it truly supported their revenue streams. And they were looking to technology to help streamline their businesses and drive efficiency that it was just really the perfect time as, as we were all out in the market to say, hey, there's a different way to do this. Yeah, totally. And the, the vendor thing, you know, and as I think we touched upon it before, but they, there are competitive vendors across the space. But I've always seen that the market's obviously big enough and everyone's main focus is just growing the market in general. So um, I guess finally, uh, the the. Last question I've got for you, because I've taken up uh, quite a bit of your time. But um, when we first met, we we're talking a lot about the transition from BreakFix to MSP. And you were talking about this as part of your sort of presentations on the roadshow. And then the MSSP thing came along and uh, people started to add more sort of security services and SOC and things to their offerings for MSPs. What, for any MSPs listening now, um, what would you say is next? I mean, what, what are you talking about on your roadshows now about what current level MSPs should be doing to sort of stay relevant and to keep growing? What's the next big thing in the space? You know what? It's a great question. And, and people may agree or disagree with me whenever you hear this, but it, Chris, it's what I call the chasm is growing. And, and what I mean is, is larger MSPs are getting large very quickly. They've got investment behind them. They've got VC, PE behind them. And then there's this other side of growth MSPs who are trying to figure out how to get over the chasm. And it's do I grow my business? Do I get acquired, et cetera, et cetera. But what's really changing is, and, and this is what I talk about a lot is managed services is just what it is. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's important, but it's not your lead in anymore. Because when, when you're a managed service provider, everybody's a managed service provider. And, and how do you differentiate yourself? Well, I'm the best MSP. Nobody's ever going to say that they're mediocre. Um, you know, those, those are almost expected services today. So what I'm talking about is the niche offerings. Hey, I can come in and I'm a cloud management company. I can do your data backup and recovery in DR. Hey, we should be having a conversation around, you know, more in-depth security, et cetera, et cetera. And so all of that to me is look at your niche offerings that align to your market. Those are your discussions today. Managed services just rides the coattails. Yeah, no, I understand that. It's kind of a given. I remember, again, back in the early days of the MSP is that, you know, the, the, at the time, MSP was a differentiator, right? It was fixed billing. It was unlimited support, unlimited blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and that was a that was a sales uh, differentiator at the time. But then after after not too long, every every IT provider in the region, MSP or whatever you want to call them, was doing exactly the same. And so that became the baseline. And then you had to kind of work on top of that and create different services or different niches, as you say, that you can go into. So no, I'm, I'm totally aligned with what you're saying there. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think going into 2022 is exciting. It, you know, we're, we're seeing differentiated offerings. I mean, we have a partner, Chris, that along with their IT services, their SOC, their MSSP side, they do marketing as a service now. Um, and they're bringing automated marketing services to their customers. We've got people getting into finance as a service in the fintech area. Like, it's really exciting to see how MSPs are evolving, the acquisitions that they're making, the, the, the services and the expertise that they're bringing into their business that, listen, it, it, all MSPs have to figure out what is their differentiating factor into 2022. We're about to go back into a boon after COVID, I believe. Um, and, and COVID made business decision makers realize just how important technology is to their business, that the opportunity is right for service providers out there. Yeah, no. I, if anything did come out of COVID, it is that uh, the I think the IT service providers are probably a little bit more appreciated and the importance of of IT and having secure, uh, reliable access to services and applications from multiple locations uh, has kind of proved to uh, to be really, really important. So hopefully that's something that will carry on. And hopefully you're right. It's going to be sort of good times from 2022 onwards. So yeah, with that, I'd like to. Um, yeah, just say thanks again, David. It's been far, far too long since we last chatted. Let's so uh, let's not leave it as long next time. And let me know the date you're over in the UK in 2022, or I may see you over in the US, depending on on what it is. But yeah, be really good to catch up with you in person. But once again, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. No, I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. It's been excellent and, and love thinking back in time and doing some reminiscing. So let's definitely get together in, in the UK. I'll let you know when I'm over and hey, let's do one of these maybe in person next time. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, that's that. That's a wrap for season one. Thanks so much for listening to all of the episodes so far. And thanks so much to David for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next season. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Mikey Meets podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to tell your friends about us. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on your platform of choice. For questions, feedback, or just to say hello, you can reach us on podcast at Mikey.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.